Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. So friends, again today, I swear I don't pick these. I just go from the lectionary and I see what resonates. We find ourselves in the middle of a very familiar command. Not the first time I've said it. Not the first time you've heard it. Not the first time you said it to someone else. Love your neighbor. So today I thought I'd tell you a little story to start about love. Now you've all heard about loving your neighbor hundreds of times. But what about loving your neighbor's broccoli? You probably haven't heard that one. came across this in a sermon illustration. And uh, it was written by Stephen Shane. A little girl stayed for dinner at the home of her friend. And the vegetable of the day du jour was buttered broccoli. And the mother asked if she liked broccoli, and the little girl replied very politely, Oh yes, I love it. But when the bowl of broccoli was passed, the little girl declined to take any. She let it quite pass. And the hostess, the mom said, I thought you said you loved broccoli. The little girl replied ever so sweetly, Oh yes, ma'am, I do, but not enough to eat it. <laughs> so I like that story. So what do you think, friends? What can we glean out of this story? Perhaps maybe we, as society, can love the idea of loving our neighbor, but when the opportunity comes, maybe we let the plate pass, just as the little girl did with the broccoli that day. And following the story, there were some words and some lines. At first, I didn't think they were connected. But I read them again, and I realized they weren't out of place at all. And here are some statements. The words after the writer was trying to define maybe who our neighbor was. And I read these words. It said, one cannot define one's neighbor. One can only be a neighbor. I like that. Theologian and preaching professor Hayden Robinson said, your neighbor is anyone whose need you see, whose need you are able to meet. That is our neighbor. A neighbor is someone who says, what is mine is God's, and what is God's belongs to my neighbor, because my neighbor also belongs to God. So what do you think about those words, friends? Sit with them for a while as I go on. Particularly the part about our neighbors being anyone whose need that we can see. Maybe we see Lorraine's house. And anyone's need that we can meet. And I think we should also think about for a bit the times when God has used a neighbor, one of our neighbors, to meet our needs. The one thing is certain, friends, one thing we can't deny is we all belong to God. We are all children of God. So moving on to the scripture, we see some strong words about loving our neighbor. We're told not to owe anyone anything 
except for we're told that we are indebted to loving our neighbors. This is a little more than what I'd say is the old college try, isn't it? Being indebted to something is more than just giving a haphazard try. And after all, debt implies something that we can't immediately repay, doesn't it? And I glossed over this indebtedness idea a couple times. I read two or three times I read it. Because we hear the command so often, love our neighbors. And so it's easy to just kind of go, yeah, I know, love my neighbor. All the laws fulfilled, love my neighbor. But I read it again, the part about indebtedness really struck out. It jumped, jumped out at me. And friends, we're not supposed to rack up frivolous debt in this life. But we're still told here we owe a big debt. And we work on repaying that debt when we love our neighbors. And I use the words repaying, and I'm not sure that that's accurate. Because we never finish paying it off. We're to always be obligated. We never pay off the debt. And many might be trying to pay off monetary debts. What a goal to aspire to. But the indebtedness that we see in the scripture is not to what I call the big three. Visa, MasterCard, and Discover. Financially the big three. Now, the debt is to God, which is the biggest three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the debt that we owe. To carry out the basic command of loving our neighbors. And so we talk about this all the time. So how do we go about doing this? I think that's important. Because there's so many people to help. If you look at Facebook, you're just out and about, you hear of all these things. But friends, I want to tell you, being United Methodist is a great way in general to help out people. As we spoke about with the UMW, with Lucille Rain's home, with UMCOR, when disaster strikes, for those of you that don't know what UMCOR means, United Methodist Committee on Relief. When there's tornadoes, when there's hurricanes, when there's floods, United Methodist Church mobilizes. We are a connectional congregation. We're connectional folks all over the world. That's just one example. Then we have conference work, as we see in the flyer today for air conditioning for the rain zone. We have our local works that we do. These are all great things about being United Methodist. We are, I believe, a denomination of mission and of helping people. But let me make this a little more personal today. What can we do as individuals to show our love for our neighbors? So I'm going to tell you another story. I think I probably told this one here before. I don't think. That's okay. It's worth repeating. One day, I left church. I don't even think I was a pastor then. I left church at Scipio, and I wanted to see a group that I had seen. It was amazing, and they just happened to be in the county, and so I went. And there was a row of us then. I think we, we had more children then. And so, naturally, the pastor comes up and wanted to meet us, you know, because he sees a whole view full of people we hadn't seen before. And we just started talking, and I'm sure I was talking about my newfound love for mission, and I was going to be a pastor, and I go on and on about mission as I, as I do. And the pastor said to me, he said, Brother Ron, I'm going to tell you something. I said, okay, let's, let's hear it. He said, I think about these things all the time about mission, and we can't help everyone but we can sure love and help the one that's in front of us. And that day, something struck in me. And I thought, yes, we try so hard to find people. We try so hard in outreach. And we should do all of those things. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. But his words just cut me to the core. Help the one that's in front of you. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's a good, real good advice. It's a simple statement. But it did light a fire in me. And sometimes we can get so caught up in all the outreach. Important again, but we need to focus on the ones that God puts in front of us. Life changing. I think his words echo what I read after the broccoli story. 
Our neighbor is the one whose needs we can see, whose needs that we can meet. And what wonderful news, friends. Focus on the ones that God puts in front of you. Now there's some stuff I probably need to tell you as you go about doing this. Sometimes helping the one in front of you can leave a bad taste in our mouths, kind of like buttered broccoli if broccoli's not your thing, or Brussels sprouts. And many, many times after you dig in, you might say, I wish I had a past on that. <laughs> Tough to say, but sometimes I think we, we dive in and we help folks, and then maybe we become frustrated because they ask for help again. Or they, we think maybe they should use the help in ways that we think is appropriate. And in these times, we have to remind ourselves that all are the children of God, and we're indebted to helping the children of God. And we're called to recognize those needs. And friends, this isn't always about money. Loving our neighbor takes on many forms. It could be pointing someone in the right direction. It could be making a phone call, sending an email that provides lasting and sustaining help. It could be making... Just connections with people. Maybe you know somebody who's hiring or someone needs a job. But it's always listening and praying to people who need an encouraging word. Friends, God is the keeper of what will unlock a person's best life. Our job is to minister to the folks that are in front of us. And I think another thing I heard early in seminary is very appropriate here. Every chance, or every situation, excuse me, we find ourselves in is a chance to partner with God. We should be asking the question, what is God saying to me in this moment? Why is this person in front of me? And we, the church, friends, make no mistake, we must shine the radiance of God's love. So let us not neglect the ones who are in front of us. I'm not telling you today to give money that you don't have. But I'm telling you, I've seen the power of what God can do when we do God's work of loving the people that are put in front of us. I've seen it time and time again. A friend of mine in the conference said, actually when I was applying for the grant for the village. And I wasn't sure how it was going to go. And he said, Ron, God has all the resources God needs to accomplish God's purposes. How true. It's us that put limits on God. Friends, I'm learning in my preaching, sometimes we don't have all the answers as pastors. And we shouldn't. And sometimes life is not tidy. And not all situations are the same. Sometimes giving $10 to someone isn't the answer to the problems. Some problems are bigger than the individual, might be bigger than the small church. But always listening, loving, and praying for folks is always appropriate. Always trying to connect them to the best help that you can. It's all about love, friends. So how many times do we read about it, hear about it? It says all of the law, not some of it, not most of it. All of the law hangs on loving God and loving our neighbors. It's not convenient at times. It's quite messy at times. We have to sometimes set aside our thoughts about our neighbors. It doesn't say love only those with perfect lives. Love everyone that we agree with or disagree with. We love everybody regardless. It doesn't say only those that come to church. None of that's in the scripture. Love all of our neighbors. Now, friends, when I see things sometimes and people post and they say, I'm posting something, but this is not up for discussion. It drives me crazy. Like I feel like if you're on a social platform and you say something, it's up for discussion. It's a social platform. Here, I'm going to use a seminary thing. This is the only time I'll say this. Love our neighbors, full stop. That's it. That's what we're commanded to do. That's one of the situations that's not debatable. 
So let me let me stop here for a minute, though. We took kind of talking about people we encounter, but I want to lose a very important perspective. It's especially important to love those that we're community as our churches. We definitely want to love the ones that come every Sunday that are with us in community through our prayers, through our actions, through our work together, caring, loving, prayer chain, all those things we do, cards, equally as important. We have to take care of those that we're in community with. And so, friends, as I start to close, let me get back to the scripture. It says, now that we are awakened, which to me also means wake up, <laughs> wake up. The time is now to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, not tomorrow, now. With our eyes fixed on Jesus, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, not to be consumed with stuff, but to be fully engaged with our eyes on Jesus. We can't separate Jesus from love. Again, getting back to Howard Thurman, I'm so engrossed in this book. Howard Thurman was the spiritual leader of the civil rights movement, no doubt. He was the one that all the leaders came to for inspiration. And Howard Thurman writes about Jesus' time, his time of oppression, and his back being against the wall. And the full way of the Roman Empire upon Jesus, and then he related that to the civil rights struggle, you could put it to any struggle. He said, when folks' backs are against the wall, the oppressor can always move the wall or the barrier. But what was comforting to folks is that no one could take away their ability to love their neighbor or their oppressor. And that hit me very strongly. They could take away anything, but they couldn't take away their ability to return love. And in love came power and dignity. If we think about the life of Jesus, it's a life lived in love and in service. And Thurman also writes about that. The life of Jesus was very, it was the example of what he was talking about. Jesus loves all, Jesus died for all, Jesus clearly lived a life full of love. And as I say, a love so big that we cannot fathom or imagine. We are asked to love everyone. And I say today, if everyone seems like a big, if we say everybody, that seems just a little bit too daunting today. Let me go back to what I said earlier. Love the ones that God puts in front of you. Start there. And then collectively at church, we would do the outreach. That's all about love, friends. God bless you all. I know that uh, some of you have seen the offering boy back there. Let's go ahead and pray for the offering. Lord, these offerings we present to you, may they be used for the ministries of love and reconciliation through this community of faith. We ask that you bless the gifts. We ask that you bless the givers. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I'm going to get my book ready here. For those of you that don't have a communion thing, they're right there. Then we're going to do communion now. Uh, kind of self-serving at this point. Thank you, Barb, for giving us. That's a thing we have missed greatly. Thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. 
And so with your people on earth, with all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join your unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ, Christ is, is risen. Christ, Christ will come, come again. again. Let us pray for the elements. Pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord, on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Friends, these are a bit tricky if you've never, so you got a clear tab on the top, that's your wafer. So you, you don't want to pull them both at the same time. So when you get there, everybody there, there's a tutorial. Okay, so this is the body of Christ broken for you, blood partake in the body. And then pull the big tab at the bottom. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. You may partake the blood of Christ. Amen. It was my honor to share that with you. We've been needing this for a while. Those of you that are able, once you get settled, let's stand for the benediction, please. Prepared to walk away into the light.